Welcome to the Leaders in Payments podcast, where we talk to C-level leaders from across the payments landscape. We'll be discussing the products and services that impact the payment space today, as well as trends and predictions for the future of payments. We will also hear stories from our guests about their journeys to the top. The nature of our architecture and the cloud-based design enables us to sort of serve our customers across all the spectrums of their life and help them grow. That was Patricia Montesi, the CEO of Colo, and she is our special guest this week. This is episode 80 of the Leaders in Payments podcast, and I'm your host, Greg Myers. Hey, before we get started, if you happen to office in Houston, Austin, or North Texas, check out Fuse Workspace, where their mission is to help others do more. Check them out at FuseWorkspace.com. Okay, back to the show. Patricia grew up in Charleston, West Virginia, and went to the University of Miami and has never left South Florida. She started her career in the car rental space industry and was there for nine years before moving over into the payments industry. Colo is an omni-channel, unified payments platform and is 100% in the cloud. They were powering fintechs and companies competing against fintechs. They were founded in 2018, got seed funding in late 2019, and got their first customer in 2020. The founding team has worked together on and off over the last 20 years before coming together to build Colo. Colo is an acronym for Quality of Life Organization. Most of their customers demand an omni-channel solution with the most modern APIs, and Colo provides this in multiple engagement models, from outsourcing everything to Colo to bringing and managing everything in-house at the customer. Patricia has a passion to build great products, a great team, and a great company. On a personal level, she's passionate about spending time with her family. We've got a great episode today, so let's get started. Hi, Patricia. Thank you for being here, and welcome to the Leaders in Payments podcast. Hey, Greg. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Absolutely. So let's dive right in. Tell our audience a little bit about yourself, maybe where you grew up, where you went to school, where you currently live, a few things like that. Sure. So I grew up in Charleston, West Virginia. I left there when I was 18 and headed to the University of Miami, which is where I got my BBA. And I never left South Florida post that. Got my executive MBA shortly thereafter. Worked in the, believe it or not, the car rental space for about nine years and then shifted over to payments I currently live in South Florida in Fort Lauderdale with my family. So from Charleston, West Virginia to Miami, how was that decision? (laughs) A little (laughs) bit of a culture shock. Purposefully done growing up in a small town and, you know, wanting to do big things. And Miami had all the check boxes, big city, exciting beaches. It was wonderful. It was a quick way to grow up. I'll tell you that. And no regrets. I love South Florida and yeah, happy. (laughs) <laughs> Good. Well, let's discuss the company, and I want to make sure I pronounce it correctly. It's Colo? Yes. Okay, so tell the audience what Colo does. So Colo is actually, in three quick bullets, we're a unified payments platform built at the infrastructure level. We are the most modern next-generation platform that's been introduced in over a decade. We're 100% in the cloud, and we engage on sort of three models across the spectrum of where our customers need us. And so, you know, to translate that into layman's terms, <laughs> we're a processor. We do it direct. We're full stack. We don't use anyone else. My founding partners and I have worked in payments for 20 plus years. We wanted to serve the industry in a different way. We felt like the new economy companies were demanding more than what they were able to get. So we put together an omnichannel payments platform to serve those needs. 
Okay. And how do you go to market? Do you have sales team through partnerships, a little bit of both? A little bit of both. So, you know, our go to market at the moment is, you know, really targeting fintechs, people that need to compete with fintechs, or even people that are striving to become a fintech. And that runs the gamut of consumer business fintechs, as well as, you know, things like banking as a service. We're powering those folks in order for them to issue cards, bring money into an ecosystem, use a ledger and money movement system in the middle. So those are our typical client base right now, but we serve, you know, no company is too small or too large. We have um, corporates as well and FIs that we are looking more from a partnership and channel distribution perspective versus a direct sell. So it runs the gamut right now, but as we grow, we'll continue to see that shift. Right now it's primarily domestic US, but that will shift to beyond and international regions as well. Okay. And do you still consider yourself a startup, even though you're what now, three years old? Yeah. I mean, we were founded in 2018. We didn't really get seed funding until Q3 2019. So that really enabled us to get our base platform live. And we launched with our first customer in 2020. So we are live and processing and we're post-revenue, but we're, you know, we're still pretty young. We're from a funding perspective, you know, we've been successful beyond the seed. We've raised a second round last year. And we're going out for our Series A this summer. So, I mean, one of the things we love about the startup world and the reason we started Colo is because there was a need for more agile, responsive companies in this space. And so part of our ongoing challenge is to keep that good stuff from a startup, but then, you know, mature and evolve the company as we grow. And our growth is really, really amazing right now. So in, you know, in a very short period of time, we've signed 12 customers, we've hired 25 employees, we have somewhere close to 20 open positions. So it's that balance, right? We love the startup mentality. We, we love to attract people that, you know, want to be a part of building something special, which you can only in my mind get from a startup. So that's where we are right now. Okay. Okay. And then I always like to ask this question when there's a unique company name. So it's Q-O-L-O and pronounced Colo. So where did that name come from? So it's actually an acronym. It stands for Quality of Life Organization. And it was really about the four founders coming together after working again on and off at the same companies for over 20 years, feeling frustrated, frankly, about how the industry had evolved in this particular space feeling like there was a demand for more. And then, you know, all of a sudden saying, well, hey, you know, we can do this. We've done this before. Let's do it again. And so we brought the, the founding team together under that acronym that extends to our employees. You know, our employees are you know, leaving safe, secure jobs in the middle of a pandemic to come work at Colo because, you know, we empower them to make things better and actually meet the demands of the new economy. And so by extension that, you know, carries through to we're solving real problems for fintechs and beyond and bringing quality of life to their payments. Hmm. I love the way you've brought culture even into the name of the company. That's pretty cool. Thank you. So what would you say differentiates your company from your competitors out there? Yeah, it's going to go back to the three basic points, right? And I'll talk a little bit about each one. But first and foremost, it's omni-channel capabilities. And, you know, gone are the days when someone just needs a prepaid card or just needs ACH or just needs push to debit. And so we saw a lot of companies struggling to get all of those omni-channel payment needs met with one supplier. So they were sort of forced into creating this ecosystem of multiple suppliers, which meant multiple integrations, multiple bank accounts, and really a lot of frustration from having to manage that in an ongoing basis. Because, you know, once you get into the payments realm, even managing suppliers, you have to think about 
regulatory and compliance and all the stuff that comes along with payment operations. And so we really felt strongly that it was creating this spider web of an ecosystem. And with Colo, we wanted to bring it all together and offer comprehensive capabilities on a single platform through a single API set. So that's sort of one point that most of the players that we compete with today really were born on the card side and our legacy in terms of technology. So the second part is that there was a desire for more modern APIs. So we have the most modern API set that's out there today. And we are 100% cloud native. A lot of people say that they are in the payments world, but they are not. There's some special magic things that, you know, (laughs) is very intrinsic to the industry, but it's where a lot of the encryption happens. No one else has that virtualized today. We virtualized all of that from the start. That offers all kinds of gains, whether it's performance gains, operational gains, the ability to spin up additional platforms in a very shorter time frame than normal, the ability to license our platform. And that just doesn't exist anywhere else today. And the third thing is really the engagement models. And we purposely set out to be able to grow with our customers. So whether our customers are new to payments and you know they need a package solution to get them to market quickly and they're not ready to manage their own program, we have a solution for them. When they start to scale and they want to become a program manager, we can actually help them get there and let them grow to become their own program manager where they can enjoy more benefits, economic benefits from that role. And then if they scale even beyond that, you know, we have a license solution and we have a lot of big players out there that are very interested in bringing payments in-house and sort of controlling their own destiny. And so the nature of our architecture and the cloud-based design enables us to sort of serve our customers across all the spectrums of their life and help them grow. And, you know, it's unfortunate, I think, a lot of existing legacy players, you know, their moat is really that they get a customer and it's hard for them to leave. And I think that's kind of a sad place to be in the industry. And so we're looking at it in a very different way. In a single contract, you can move across the spectrum as your needs change. Okay. So the licensing aspect, would they be able to white label the solution? Yeah, there's different models. Depends on their needs and the staffing and talent that they have. We can do a full-on outsource license mode where they're running the platform, they're in control of their product roadmap, they're doing the network updates and the maintenance, or we can do something in between. So there's different models that we could do. And just want to define this. When you say cloud native, you mean from day one, the entire platform was built in the cloud. Is that correct? That's correct. And again, it tends to be an overused benefit in every industry. It really has dramatically changed what you can do in the payments world. And so again, you'll see a lot of people say we're native cloud, but when you peel back the onion, you'll see that they actually have hardware-based host security modules. You'll see that they have hardware-based endpoint connections to the networks. And we, you know, in-house virtualize that from the start. And that's because we have the expertise on our system and our CIO was able to actually virtualize the HSMs right out the gate. So it's a huge advantage and one that there's a quote from a legacy player that, you know, for them to do the same thing, it's a three-year problem. So we got a good leap ahead in that regard. Okay, great. Well, there's so much, as you know, going on in the payments and fintech space. Where do you see the industry heading, say, in the next two to three years? I think there will continue to be this rise in fintechs and the desire to disrupt. I think that's a positive thing. I think, you know, the more momentum you see from people like challenger banks and gig marketplaces where, to me, the impetus has really been driven by the consumer world where 
People are used to some of the advances that have been made in payments in their consumer life, but they don't see that translated over into their business life. And I think, you know, there's that frustration has driven startups and fintechs to really try to push the envelope and do things differently. Like I said, the new economy companies are, you know, they're not looking for a monoline product and payments. They're looking to mesh them all together and maybe have a card-based solution that is also attached to a secure line of credit or a savings account. And maybe, you know, as they grow, they want to add additional features. And so I think that demand is what is driving a lot of where payments will go. You know, I think the, the pandemic has pushed that even further. You'll, you know, you see traditional FIs either embracing it in a more direct way, partnering with fintechs, making sure they don't get left behind. And even some of the larger FIs questioning the fintechs and the startups. And I think it's because people see that the future, you know, has to change. And I think, you know, where payments will head is the, the disruption will continue. There'll be more M&A, right, as FIs and financial services institutions look around and see these startups start to gain share and momentum. I think the M&A will continue as well. Okay. And if you could get your crystal ball out, what do you think 10 years from now looks like? Oh, 10 years from now. You know, one of the things we kept in mind when we designed the platform is that we wanted to future-proof against where the market's headed, right? And one way to do that in our world, in the processing world, is to be agnostic to things like currency, right? And so we designed our system so that it supports everything from fiat currency to cryptocurrency. Anything that has value it can be even a loyalty point or a precious metal. And so I think that to the extent that you can transact against something that has value. We've designed our platform to support that. Jury's still out on crypto and where that will head. It's obviously here and here probably to stay, but you know how much it grows is unknown. I think you know disruption in things like biometrics and wearables, I think that those things will you know play a big part in the future 10 years from now. Again, you know, crystal ball. <laughs> First of all, you know, hopefully we get the business side of payments caught up to the consumer side, right? You know, and I think that all of the friction that still exists where, you know, people sit in back offices and reconcile invoices and overpay for wires and cross-border, those are the things that need to change. And I think, you know, we'll do so in the next 10 years. Yeah, I agree with you there. Back to, you mentioned the pandemic. Has it affected your business either positively or negatively? Well, it's hard to say because <laughs> we were pretty much launched in the pandemic. We were only really three months, four months post our seed funding round before it really hit and we went into lockdown mode. So we were, you know, very young right around the pandemic. So almost all of our employees, almost all of our clients that we've signed has been through the pandemic. I think in general for the payments industry and fintechs, I think it's amplified the need for the ease of exchanging goods and services. Right. Whether it's a consumer in a lockdown mode and getting things delivered to your door because stores are closed. At the end of the day, everything there's an exchange. Right. And someone has to get paid. And so I think the impetus has grown because of the pandemic. You know, from our perspective, in terms of has it helped us? I think fintechs were hot before the pandemic. I think they're hotter now, again, because people see, well, you know, what happens if this happens again, is everybody ready, right? How do you stay resilient? How do you reinvent yourself if you need to, to weather something you know like this in the future? Yeah, yeah, I agree there. Well, let's change gears a little bit and talk about you. So tell us about your journey to your role there as one of the founders and the CEO. 
So I spent my first nine years in the corporate world in car rent on travel. And looking back, it was a really great training ground for me. I didn't know it at the time, but you know, I started as a right out of college. I was in charge of accounts receivable and credit and billing for Alamo Rent-A-Car. And I spent the next nine years moving up into a lot of different functional areas. So I moved from finance to operations, international marketing. And you know, at 29 years old, I was vice president of sales for a $3 billion company. And I thought I knew it all, of course, right? (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, there was a lot of transactions that happened during that time, too. There was, you know, bankruptcies, there was mergers, acquisitions. And then ultimately, you know, there was a spinoff and our headquarters were relocated to Tulsa, Oklahoma. So I wasn't moving. So I was out, right? And so I didn't know what I wanted to do with myself. I got a call from the founder of Wildcard Systems who found my resume, saw that I had zero payments experience, but loved my background and wanted sort of fresh thinking. And so that was in 2003, I got pulled into the payments world. And I mean, honestly, I thought everybody was crazy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, was a, it was a startup. And, you know, after you know, having nine years, it's sort of a pretty organized corporate world. <laughs> I thought I wasn't sure I was going to make it. <laughs> but then, you know, that quickly pivoted to, hey, you know, once you start to understand how it works and the excitement of doing something emerging and innovative and building and launching products, it, then it became sort of addictive, right? So I grew from Wildcard. We were, I was there two years. We were acquired by eFunds. During that time, I actually had the opportunity to run the biggest project they'd ever had, which was um, American Express outsourced their stored value platform to eFunds. And it was a huge project, 380,000 hours of software development, culminated in 100 million cards being converted, the largest in the industry ever. So I had the opportunity to basically design that team, run that team, and it was a big success. And then shortly after that, we were acquired by FIS. And then my founders and I were at FIS and great company, but you know, again, large company, right? And so we ultimately peeled off back into the startup world, going back to the fact that it can be addictive, right? And so mm-hmm. the next 10 years were really spent more on the customer side of processing, right? So we were in program management. I was in consulting. And it was during my consulting time in 2018 where I was lamenting the lack of payment solutions, on the, and particularly on the B2B and B2B2C side. And I was complaining to my co-founders at Colo and you know, saying, hey, am I missing something? Because you know, what people are looking for, again, going back to that stitching together an ecosystem, I was like, it's kind of not great. It's not a great experience. And everything is at least 10 years old that's out there. Like, and as we were complaining, it drove us to create Colo. And, you know, again, looking around, we all very complimentary skill sets and we just felt like the time was right. We wanted to serve the industry that we lived and worked in for so long and create a better solution. So that was why we decided to create Kilo. Okay. And you have four total co-founders, right? Yes. Okay. So typically there's one or maybe two. So maybe talk about the dynamics of having four co-founders. Yeah, very interesting. So early on in Colo days, I had a fintech CEO say to me, wow, well, you're you're lucky because you have Darren, Robert and Steve, my co-founders. And my initial reaction was a little bit taken aback. And I was like, well, I didn't do it. It's by design, right? And so I I was reminded of that. There's a famous quote that, you know, luck is the residue of, of design. I knew what we needed. And, you know, I saw from the beginning that the four of us we're sort of the perfect team. There's trust, implicit trust. So that, you know, we weren't just professional colleagues. We were personal colleagues as well. 
I've flown Steve's plane. We've sat on rooftop bars in India working on gigantic projects together. Uh, Darren and Steve flew across the country in their own plane together. There's just a deep bond. The four of us actually were involved in that American Express project. And it's once you live through that together and you really understand how someone works, it just, you know, it felt right. And frankly, I like to surround myself with people that make me better. And that's how I view founding Team of Colo. Okay, great story. What are some things you're passionate about? So maybe one work-related item and one non-work-related. So work-related is doing extraordinary work, right? It's the adrenaline of creating something, whether it's a single product or whether it's a company, but doing something that is disruptive and you can see it sort of from infancy to delivery and that celebration of we did it, right? And I just continue to love that. I'm very passionate about building great teams. I'm very passionate about allowing people to, you know, there's a Steve Jobs quote, right? We don't hire great people to tell them what to do. We hire great people so they can tell us what to do. And that's what we're building here at Colo is, you know, we've got everybody on our team is 10 plus years in the industry of payments and frankly frustrated at other companies where they saw there were better ways to do things, but they weren't enabled to do them. At Colo, they are. So that's a passion for me. And that's what drove me to create Colo. From a personal perspective, I would say my family. I'm passionate about spending time with my family. You know, I grew up in a very close knit family. I have two children and a husband. And when we're not working, (laughs) we like to have fun, go on trips and do special things. Awesome. Awesome. So I started in payments a couple of years after you did, but both of us have been in it over 15 years. And when I started, I certainly wasn't looking for a career in payments. I sort of fell into it. But since then, a lot has changed, as you've talked about. Even in the past few years with fintech wasn't even a word back then. All the money that has been invested in this industry, there are now college courses that kids are taking around fintech and payments. So I think a lot of people are looking at payments and fintech as career opportunities. So what advice would you give someone coming maybe right out of college, they want to go into payments or fintech companies, what advice would you give them to help them be successful? Really understand the inner workings and the plumbing and don't underestimate the complications. And I think a lot of people collectively see the gaps and try to resolve the gaps coming from, and by the way, there's a big difference between people that understand fintech and people that understand payments. And so you see a lot of fintechs start to disrupt a very valid problem, but then stumble because they didn't understand getting into payments was going to be so challenging. In many ways, it's unfortunate. It's not you know necessarily by design, but the fact that our team understands the plumbing of payments and how at a detailed level, how it works is extraordinarily beneficial. It means execution. It means understanding where there's blind alleys in front of us and getting in front of those for on behalf of our clients. So really, you got to start. You can't underestimate even understanding, you know, how networks work, how, you know, the, the NACHA system works. And it's a lot, but I encourage everyone who is interested in it to really dig in and Part of what we're doing here at Colo on our roadmap is we're launching Colo University because everybody on our team has this payments domain expertise that's really unmatched, but we want to continue to foster that. And as we scale and and, add new folks, we want to be a lifelong learning organization because my famous saying is that the more I know about payments, the more I realize how much I don't know. So it is a continuous, really continuous effort to be made. And you'll see Colo University for our employees. And then ultimately, we want to roll that out to our clients as well. 
Awesome. So we've covered a lot of ground about you and about the company and about the industry. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up? You know, I first of all, I want to thank you for the opportunity. I love doing these things. I'd like to bring awareness to Colo. I think, you know, we are in some very exciting times in payments in particular. We're feeling very encouraged around, you know, the resonation of our platform solutions. We're going out for Series A in the summer. And by the end of the year, we'll be a 50-person company. And we couldn't be more excited about it. So I appreciate the opportunity to share more about Colo. Absolutely. Well, Patricia, thank you so much for being on the show. I know your time's very valuable, so I really appreciate that. So thanks so much for being on today. It's a pleasure. Thank you, Greg, for having me. Absolutely. And to all you listeners out there, I thank you for your time as well. And until the next story. Thank you for joining us this week on the Leaders in Payments podcast. Make sure you visit our website at leadersinpayments.com, where you can subscribe to the show and where you'll find our show notes. If you enjoyed listening, please share on your social channels as well. 